Hello. Hi, everyone. My name is Sherry Hu. I am a media and entertainment writer for Forbes, and I focus on music and tech, so I'm so excited to be here. This is my first year. Um, before we get started, we have a demo from Gracenote, one of their latest products. So, uh, Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Brian Hamilton. I'm the general manager of Gracenote's music and uh, automotive business. Um, just a bit of background for Gracenote in the world of uh, automotive. We got started about 15 years ago uh, by providing an embedded CD recognition uh, when hard drives started coming into the cars, and that was uh, to replace the six disc CD changers where everybody left the six CDs in their trunk and uh, forgot to add new music. Uh, today, Gracenote is uh, shipped in over 80 million cars worldwide, from uh, Fords to Ferraris, from Teslas to Toyotas. Um, and there's a number of uh, songs coming into the car as grew within local storage and people started bringing in their phone into the cars with thousands of songs safety has become more and more important you can imagine the average phone with three to five thousand songs uh, trying to navigate that song that you want to just fit what you're in the mood for when you're driving down the autobahn in germany at 150 mile an hour with a basic touch screen uh, interface uh, it gets kind of dangerous uh, so we, we've worked over the years to provide the automakers with a number of solutions to make that navigation a lot safer and intuitive. I just want to show you, uh, you can see on the screen over here, some of the concepts we're doing to, to help make that easier. So first of all, of course, adding iconic imagery uh, to make sure we have clear album art so you can see the, the songs that you or the albums you like. Artist imagery to find out, you know, see the photographs of the artist to easily navigate those artists. Well, we're doing a lot of other things. Uh, um, my phone today and my uh, media collection, I have over 90 genres that are very fragmented from the different places I've imported my music. Whenever the Gracenote software is in the car, it'll actually roll that up to as few as just 10 genres to make that a very easy navigation where no scrolling is, is needed. Adding moods, we've uh, added a lot of other lenses into the music to, to find what you're looking for. So again, over 400 moods in Gracenode's database, but rolling it up to a very simple view for automakers so they can see things that are very easy. So my date night out, I can hit my uh, romantic playlist. Um, we're doing other things, obviously, cleaning up the metadata, help normalize artists so you're not getting uh, fragment, fragmented artists when you have a lot of... Uh, uh, collaborations, which tends to fragment the collection. Uh, but I think what we're going to talk about today is uh, something that uh, I believe is, is the future uh, in, in uh, discovering music in the car, and that's contextual playlisting, helping the car understand uh, what, what's going on around you. Um, my vision here is a little bit, if you imagine, Knight Rider, with, uh, when Kit is actually uh, telling you what you should listen to. I get in the car in the morning and say, hey, Brian, uh, I know what just you want, and it's hitting the perfect playlist for you. So you can see this proof of concept now where I have a few different scenarios laid out uh, depending on a lot of inputs. So if I look at a today, or <laughs> Wednesday, 7.30 a.m., it's 55 degrees, it's raining, I'm doing 20 miles an hour. That's uh, probably telling me uh, I'm in a pretty bad mood because I've got a really slow commute and I'm uh, off to work very, very early. Um, so it's going to suggest music based on that. And also, of course, influenced by your listening behavior over time and in the same type of scenarios. Um, give another example here. It's a party night out, Saturday, quarter to nine at night, 60 degrees. Um, the sun is coming down. I'm doing 65 mile an hour. It's time to party. 
Okay, with that, let's get this party started. Thank you. Cool, thank you so much. I guess, so first off, I'd like to just go down the line if, and if each of you could introduce yourself, um, talk about your work and how, what it has to do with the music car relationship, that would be great. Oh, as I said, uh, my name is Brian Hamilton. I'm the general manager for Grace Notes Music and Automotive Businesses. Um, and you know, Grace Note has you know, been a leader in music recognition, built out the, the world's largest music uh, database, and helps provide all the major services and uh, automakers with uh, solutions and technologies to help make music navigation a lot easier. My name is Casey Feldman. I'm a product designer at Ford Motor Company, and I lead the efforts for our integration with Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, um, and in some respects as well, the AppLink platform that uh, any music maker can just make an app and plug right into our vehicles and bring their experience directly into the car. So I'm Bob Cowherd. Um, I oversee Uber's music division, uh, which is our entertainment team. Um, our vision is to make every Uber ride, whether you're a driver or a rider, just feel magical and personalized. Hey everybody, uh, Steve Savoka here. Uh, this is a face of a man on sabbatical. Um, just coming off a, a pretty wild uh, five-year run at Spotify as VP of content, uh, where I led a, a global industry relations team, essentially uh, charged with building the uh, subscription business for that company, but ultimately building uh, the consumption economy uh, as it's uh, slowly becoming with a lot of promise. So um, I had a lot of roles and more a lot of hats within in Spotify, which is uh, why it was time to move on because uh, it was a pretty intense ride. And it was really about um, building a value proposition for artists, uh, first and foremost, getting folks to understand uh, partnership-wise how to work with the platform uh, really building best practice and doing a lot of advocacy and ed education. There really was no roadmap that I was given to, to do that. Um, so it was, uh, was a process and really bringing the industry along with us on the journey. And uh, it was really uh, incredibly rewarding. Cool. Um, so first, since this panel is called Contextual Playlist for Autos, I thought I would start with an interesting stat, which is um, as high as 80% of car drivers still listen to FM radio, so terrestrial radio. Very few people still listen to streaming services in a car. Very few cars still have that option available. And so I thought I would start with talking about that relationship. So as we um, go forth into a world where, where a car is an, another device in the Internet of Things, where streaming services are going to more automobiles, what is that dynamic like? And what should car manufacturers and also content creators and radio stations keep in mind? Yeah, so I mean, I think what's interesting is, you know, part of that stat is that there's only 5% or so of uh, people that have ever really tried listening to a streaming service in their car versus 80% for radio. So why is that? I mean, radio, you know, you turn on your car and it's on, you know, it's, and that's one of the big uh, parts that's appealing about it. It's, you know, it's locally focused um, and it's just easy. And, you know, people have been doing it for such a long time that it's in this ingrained habit. So you know, what we have produced um, in our industry just isn't good enough yet. You know, it's, it's not relevant or personalized or contextual enough yet. And if we can really nail, you know, your mood and your experience and where you're going and what you're doing and tie that into the content that you have and tie it into the people that you're with, that's the type of thing that can be, you know, an order of magnitude better than radio. And that's the type of thing it's going to take to change behaviors. 
I think as an automaker, we're obviously really engaged with radio, and a big part of that is because we make it really easy to use. Our whole goal is to make every part of the car experience easy to use so you can focus on your drive from point A to point B. And what we really want to do is say we want to build tools that allow content creators to grow on top of that platform, whether it's as small as like a Ford Fiesta or something as big as an F-150. Ultimately, every driver is going to have some sort of context to themselves and they want to listen to the country radio station or they want to listen to the EDM station. Um, what we want to do is say, we have this great platform for you all and you can just build on top of it and hook in with our hardware so you can you still use the knobs and buttons and the voice systems that we have built and take advantage of those so you don't have to do the work double time. And our goal there is to hope that then kind of it makes these magical experiences for people that are really good at making content, right? And we're ultimately this big platform for them to build on top of. Yeah, I, I'm all for the magical experiences, and, and I agree we'll eventually get to a place of you know, truly delightful, smart, you know, driving down the road, and the service is going to play everything you want it to. But I would imagine that even today, the demand is, is super pent up for people to be able to play streaming services in their vehicles. Um, you know, frankly, there's hundreds of millions of people that are on these services, but the, the functionality and the technology just isn't in the vehicle. So I think the first step, you know, I'm all for delightful and, you know, mind-blowing, but, but I think, you know, first and foremost, when we sat down to talk about this panel, we were really focused on this idea that solving these, these technical issues uh, really is the first barrier. And then the stuff that will come behind that will be truly amazing for the, for the end user. Yeah, I think radio is still a great way to discover new music, uh, but... How, how do we bring people over from those traditional ways into the new streaming services? Uh, we've actually seen the new BMW 7 series. They actually are using a recognition technology to understand what you're listening to on the radio, and that allows you to jump right into a, you know, hear more like this from a service. They're still doing downloads because of uh, data uh, bandwidth concerns in, in Europe. We can download the songs when you hear it, or also download similar songs. So. Uh, helps you, trans, you know, transition from the traditional FM into this new streaming area. And I think that sort of gradual transition will actually help users get onto the streaming as opposed to having to go from a, one environment to the other where they're not used to. Yeah, and the other big thing that we're really trying hard to do is making sure that it's not just that you're building an experience just for Ford, right? So uh, the platform I'm speaking of is this thing called AppLink, which is an open source framework that we made um, that's available to any of the automakers, all iOS apps, and Android apps, so that if you're a developer, you build your application once with this little framework, and then there's nothing you have to build for our cars. It'll just work the way you normally submit it to the App Store, the customer just downloads it right to their phone, and then they plug it in, or in some cases it's even wireless for uh, Android devices, and then it just appears on the screen. And then that works across all Ford vehicles, touchscreen or not, uh, Toyota, and um, we have even have QNX as well, which is the uh, operating system a lot of cars work on. So um, making it open source was a big conscious decision that we understand those barriers and we're really working hard to make it easier for the developer side of it as well. What's, what's the likelihood of harmony and ubiquity in the auto industry? I think if, a lot of there are different. Yeah. going to be different platforms, right? Yeah, no, then no, eventually no. you're just going to get into those those issues that you mm -hmm. know plagued tech in general. Yeah, I think a lot of it just comes down to trying to embrace uh, 
all automakers for a common goal, right? And I think that's kind of what we're all seeing now is, again, we've, we've taken the step to say, you know, we can't live on our own. You see some automakers partnering with one individual group or, you know, one really popular service, and that kind of puts a lot of people out. And so what we don't want to do is say, you know, making this really difficult ramp up where you have to have a relationship with the automaker or each individual automaker to have something that can hit your customers. Because what our job is is to make a space that's catered to the driver, right? Or the passenger in some cases, right? As we move towards autonomous vehicles. So if we're a blank canvas for somebody to come in and kind of make this space their own, um, and the other automakers are trying to make their own ideas and their own takes on that, ultimately there's gonna be fundamental technologies that'll move across each of these. And so if we can figure those out as a collective group, and kind of build those out as we go forward, then you're already getting the first leg in there, and then there's opening up more doors for collaboration going forward. Cool. Uh, could each of you guys maybe speak to what you find most exciting about adding context to music consumption in the car? So if there's anything that's already been done or anything that you anticipate happening in the future? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, the, the most exciting thing uh, is location. And uh, probably not surprising, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of the big interesting uh, thing that we have as Uber um, in your ride providing uh, content for you is like, where are you going and, and what does that mean? Um, so when we uh, launched our driver uh, music product, uh, we did a lot of research with drivers and we interviewed a, a bunch of them and, and one of them told us the story where he said, you know, there was this group of people that got in the car and I was dropping them off at the Fillmore to, I think it was an Empire of the Sun show. And he just said, oh, this is great. I, I know where these guys are going. I'm going to play some music that I know they'll love. And he played some Empire of the Sun from his, his local playlist. Um, and it was just such a, an amazing experience and, and they had this kind of eureka moment of, oh, wow, this is, you know, like, why isn't every ride like this? And the thing is, I mean, we can automate that. If, if we could actually figure out, you know, what you like and, and mix it up with where you're going. I mean, we can figure out from an, an API, you know, what's playing at this location, you know, what is, the, what is the context of this concert. You could actually create just much better experiences by doing that. Um, and, but I mean, even going beyond that, it, it could be extended to, you know, the long tail of every, uh, you know, indie band that's playing in the mission, you know, in some bar, you know, if, if, uh, if we know where they're playing um, and we know what kind of stuff you listen to and, hey, you like indie music, why aren't we showing you, you know, all of these people that are locally playing tonight as highlights? Um, and it could be just, you know, a platform that actually drives uh, more and more fans to, to independent artists by um, having uh, Uber showing the, the local flavor of music that's going on that night um, and having that be a discovery mechanism. So, I mean, personally, uh, from a background of, uh, you know, forming a startup that was focused on independent artists, that's what kind of gets me going in the morning to think about that as the future. I think fu fundamental that is uh, understanding, as you said, uh, what, what you like, because just because you're in a location, you know, you don't necessarily like one type of music. So I, I think having the right signals and understanding, I think through uh, some of the new machine learning technologies to really understand why you really like that particular music. And just as importantly, what you don't like, because there are certain people just don't want to hear certain things <laughs> at any one time. I think for us, the big challenge our, our CEO has said is that um, we're starting to not think about ourselves as an automobile company at all. We think of ourselves as a mobility company first, and that means we're part of the story, or we want to be part of the story from the moment you get up and you're trying to get from point A to point B. I was telling everybody here, for me to get to this hotel right here, 
I drove my car to the Caltrain station. I took the Caltrain up here, and then I used our chariot service. Um, that's like a ride-sharing shuttle uh, to get to the hotel itself. So those are three completely different experiences. One was totally personal, one was totally public, and then one was kind of somewhere in between. And so music was a part of that entire area, right? I woke up with my iPhone, I plugged it in into my car and listened to my music that way, and then it was like this concert hall experience for myself with the acoustics and everything, and I can listen to loud hip-hop if I want to, or as loud or as soft as I want. And then I get on the Caltrain and headphones on. And so then when I get out, it's kind of the space in between. Is there an opportunity for some communal group of learning with uh, machine learning and software to figure out what makes sense for the group? Um, and I think that's the fun thing for me is thinking about it not just in the context of I'm in a car and I'm going here and now I turn the radio up and I turn it down. Um, but it's much more about every space in between and how we can move through that and enable everybody to get their content to the customer as soon as possible as soon as possible. I think what, what's potentially exciting when I think about what could be coming down the road is the idea of, of playlists is not as we know them today, but you know, what's playlist 2.0? And think about playlists being you know, so much smarter and dynamic than they are today. So we, you know, when we're talking about playlists here, we're talking about uh, you know, a, a sequence of songs. But imagine it could be a sequence of things that are relevant to that particular drive you're on. So. If it's your daily commute, um, I know I have a challenging commute when I choose to drive into the city, uh, New York City, um, and I want to hear a little bit of everything. So I might want to have a playlist that's a bit of politics and a bit of traffic, a bit of weather, and certainly a bit of music. And something that's a bit more hybridized uh, would be more valuable to me. And in fact, I would want to interject even a little bit of a, of a host. Um, and all of this is possible, but it's a mashup of the podcast, the terrestrial radio, and the traditional playlist as we know it today. Um, I think that's a lot more interesting, and we could definitely see that coming down the road. That's just me talking. Um, Steve, could you actually elaborate on that and talk about what impact that has on content creators as you're thinking about how their music will be more often consumed in the car? Should that change how they create music? What should they be thinking about differently? Yeah, I think, I think ultimately as, as the auto becomes a, an incredibly large and powerful use case uh, for, for, say, a streaming service, um, if, if, if an artist who has access to loads of data understands where their consumption is coming from and starts to see that you know, perhaps a particular uh, you know, case of, of, of driving is, is really valuable to, to them as an artist, um, they will know that they'll be influenced by that and, and their, their composition could be colored by that. Um, and inevitably, there's going to be an artist that no, one, no one's ever heard of or many artists that no one's ever heard of that are going to end up on these playlists because they just they happen to suit that mood. Um, you're going to have breakout stars from playlists like you do today um, that are specific to that case. So um, I think it, it will color you know, how, you know, specifically how the music is created and maybe how it's released as well. Yeah, I mean, I, l I love the idea of, of extending that even further. I mean, so Pandora has a service where they sell to artists data about where is your music being played on Pandora. And like, hey, it's like really big in Albuquerque all of a sudden, and that's interesting, and you could do something with that as an artist. But, you know, imagine if you all of a sudden knew, like, hey, you're th this last you know track that you put out is really popular with people going to pizza places at two in the morning, and you're like, oh, wow, drunk people really like my music. Okay, so what do I do with that? Right? <laughs> or, you know, you're going to, the, like, everyone who's going to the beach at 9 a.m. in the morning really likes your music, and it's it's all of this, like, new world of data that can completely inform and almost become the, some of the seeds of the uh, original artistic content for the next thing that you produce. Imagine a, a drive-time album listening event that's, like, the debut of a, of a release. 
you know, get everybody in their cars at the same time listening to an album. Like, you can imagine those kinds of things happening. Yeah, and anecdotally, actually, I just remembered uh, one of my favorite albums by Jack White. He actually specifically went into his car and mastered it, I believe, because he knew that he wanted most people to listen to it while they were driving. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's definitely a big part of the story as well, right? So. Cool. Um, could you guys maybe point to some of the biggest uh, technical challenges? I guess maybe from the car manufacturer perspective, starting from there. Yeah. Other car makers. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a really big problem, right? Is uh, a lot of people. I mean, you take it into the, the th- let's say the three use cases, right? One is today with a personal car. One is in the future with an autonomous car. Um, and then there's ride sharing services, right? And if you're talking about music in each of those, again, they're kind of different experiences all around. And so you want to find a way to kind of harmonize them all. Because in the case of the personal experience today, I think we all kind of know how that goes. You have your phone, you bring it in, and then boom, you get this really nice acoustic environment to listen to the music that you love, whether that's on a streaming service or FM radio or Sirius or any number of the ways you can listen to it. So our challenge today is to say, how can we make that easier, as easy as getting to FM radio for some of these new services? Um, So we've worked really hard in there to bring things like Siri Eyes Free, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, to make that kind of transition a plug and play and not overwhelm you with features. The ride-sharing side of it is much more interesting, too, because you're talking about much more communal services, right? How does people interact with each other? How do they share music with each other? Um, who gets say? I mean, that was another big topic you had talked about earlier. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest opportunities for us is like when you know, people get into an Uber pool and there's you know, a new rider coming in every five minutes and someone getting out every few minutes. It's you know, this constantly shifting you know, sonic preferences landscape. So you know, how do you design something that works really well for it? And at first, it seems almost impossible. But then when you think about the, you know, the experience in an Uber potentially being one where like, hey, in my pool ride, I discovered you know, three new songs yesterday because of that other person that was there. And, you, and if you can actually make the, the way that you can socially discover music uh, be you know, part of the magic of the experience that you're looking forward to, it's this giant opportunity. That's right. And I think, again, the third point was the autonomous vehicle, right? Well, which is something we're both working on, which is exciting in itself. And uh, the opportunity there is that now you're no longer the driver having to focus on the road necessarily. You're able to kind of relax a little bit. And can you build spaces for that that kind of allow a much more deeper immersion? Um, and what technology can we bring to make that immersion even better? And then if you're building out music and building out playlists and content, is there a way that you can kind of engage with that hardware in the car to really make that that experience next level, right? And that's kind of what will differentiate you then going forward is to say, you know, oh, you know, my big group, we, want, we need to take a van, so uh, let's get something decked out that's really, really cool. Or, um, you know, I'm just going to Home Depot. I don't, I don't really need something that big, but I still want to have good acoustics and maybe something to like, get me excited about building that new you know, shed outside. But I think that's kind of like all the things that are kind of exciting about it when you talk about mobility solutions is it's this really wide spectrum, and we all know music plays a part of it. It's a huge part of the commute. So uh, it's like the soundtrack, right? It's, it's the big soundtrack to your day and to that moment in that day. Yeah, I mean, it's something where, you know, art can spring up from unexpected places. And, you know, nobody expected the art community of Burning Man to come from where it did. But, you know, it's it's starting now to become big enough that it's affecting the art world. And artists at Burning Man now, you know, are at galleries in Soho. And, um, you know, in the same way, I think, you know, people don't think of cars as this, like, primary location for art. 
right? You know, outside of, well, I listen to music there, but, you know, especially with autonomous vehicles, that could start to happen more. It could start to be that every time you order an autonomous vehicle to go somewhere with a group of friends, well, of course you have to choose, you know, what the lighting is going to be like and, you know, what what the, you know, sound is going to be like and, you know, do you choose a relaxing theme or a get pumped up theme? And that's just, that's, you know, of course it's what you do because it's one of these great opportunities where I have 14 minutes where, you know, it's this little time where I can experience some art and I don't need to go, you know, off to a museum to make it happen. So, so I, I agree with what you said earlier about the, the biggest challenge is the, the car makers themselves. Because, uh, and then we put the global spread in that. I think one of the sort of things we take for granted is the connectivity. And I, I think, uh, as we talked uh, earlier, that you know, while we stream music without thinking about it here in the Bay Area, I think people are very, very nervous uh, about that. Um, and in Europe. It's like really bad, and with car makers, everybody wants a single global platform uh, to, to work on. Uh, so we really have to think how we can make the experiences work uh, across the globe. Yeah, and like I said before, there's really big efforts in trying to make that happen, right? I think that's that's part of the transition that you're seeing with the entire space of of automobiles right now. Is um, there's you know obviously there's a lot of automakers, and it's very difficult sometimes to kind of get everybody in the same room. But when you do, what you start to realize is we're all working towards a common goal, and there's underlying technologies that can power those experiences that are to everybody's benefit, not just the automakers, right? So that's one of the reasons we took that again that AppLink platform and just opened it up and said. Anybody can build on top of it, whether you're a car maker and want it part of your system, uh, if you're an iOS or Android developer and build it into your app, you just get all these benefits, right? I mean, uh, the main part of it was what are the commonalities, right? Most of the cars have push-to-talk services and voice, right? So it's up to the automaker to make that voice system, right? But if you're using AppLink, then if you're Spotify, Pandora, whoever, you know, they may not need to make a Siri, right? They may not want to make a Siri. So can they still get the voice power that something like Apple Music has with Apple CarPlay and Siri there to kind of, again, level the playing field and really embrace what the customer is bringing in outside of the choices that are kind of made for them? I think that's kind of, again, the, the big exciting part for us is to say there's common technologies across the board, whether it's hardware like Bluetooth or software like the infotainment system, and can we build on that? I'm just curious, because um, I, I feel like I'm in first gear compared to the rest of these guys. Um, <laughs> folks in the room, like, how many folks have actually used Apple CarPlay or Android Auto? So very few. Yay! Right? So like, <laughs> so this is a pretty savvy room, obviously, and still, even amongst these folks, there's like very little experience with these things. And and for a guy that's worked in tech for as long as I have, like. I, I was recently had my, my mind blown by, by Android Auto. And just a quick anecdote, I was headed home from, um, from a trip with, with my kid in the back seat, and she said, you know, she wanted me to play something from, um, from Zootopia. And, uh, you know, the Spotify integration is amazing, but I was driving myself crazy because there's no search bar, and I couldn't understand why. Um, but there's that little microphone that has the voice, voice part, and she just, you know, she kept saying, come on, Dad, I keep trying, you can do this. And, uh, and I, I figured out how to use the voice, voice control. And it was absolutely like, like an incredibly delightful moment, but just simple. When I say first gear, I mean that. Like, you know, we're still not even there. You know, I can't even get my Bluetooth to work in, in, in one of my cars. Yeah. Um, so it's just incredibly frustrating. The Bluetooth doesn't work. The, you know, the, the USB doesn't work. Um, that, that really basic stuff is just hobbling you know, and that's my point earlier, like the demand is there, but the frustration is such that like, you know, if you're fumbling with this stuff, you're going to crash. Mm -hmm. So we need to solve that. No, for sure. I think there's, uh, 
there's obviously challenges, right, in, in that environment because a lot of times the customer gets in and there's this, I mean, there's a million steps along the way to, that could create this kind of tension there, right? You have the dealer experience, you have an owner's manual in some cases, and it shouldn't be as hard as it is, right? So that's our challenge. So some of the things that we've done in Sync 3, um, which is the project that I came on it for to work on, that we've, we specifically wanted to tackle those things. And they're really little things that go a long way. Um, just to name a few. When you plug in your iPhone for the first time and click on the Bluetooth menu, it automatically will pair with your phone. There's nothing you have to do. You hit pair, you know, Casey's iPhone, and it just pairs. Um, and that's something that not a lot of people wanted to do necessarily in the auto industry, but we made it really easy to do that because we know Bluetooth is kind of a hassle. Um, and in the case of CarPlay Android Auto, um, what we do differently than any other automaker, because I think there's a big misconception that um, you just get this, and it is like Bluetooth. It just It's one thing, and then I have it, and I'm good to go. But it's really specific uh, to each automaker how they implement it. Um, and they can do it really, really well and really, really wrong. What we've done is we didn't want to give you feature after feature after feature. So a lot of the other guys, what you'll see is when you press the button on the steering wheel, it gets their voice system first, and then a long press will be Google or, or Siri. Um, we did not do that. We actually specifically said, if you want to use CarPlayer and Gerardo, we're gonna respect that decision. We're not gonna force it down your throat. Um, you press it and boom, there you go. You get Siri all the time. You get Google uh, Voice Assistant all the time now. And so a lot of the stuff is just learning. It can't be feature after feature and it can't be something that's way too stressful and, and cumbersome to use because that's ultimately reflective of our brand as technology and the interiors of the car become far more critical, right? So it's definitely without saying there are areas where we can improve, um, but it's not like it's a, it's a blind box that we're not uh, completely aware of. We really, I mean, we use this stuff all day long. We really want it to be good. Yeah, I mean, in, in the same way, uh, you know, a lot of the challenge that uh, my team has had over the past year has just been the very basics of the social interaction between a driver and a rider in an Uber vehicle um, to get the music to play in the first place. Um, so, you know, we, we have a product that allows drivers to play, you know, whatever music they'd like uh, uh, integrated into the Uber driver app. And of course, then riders can come along and they can see what their driver's playing and take over the playback on their own. But that interaction of taking over someone else's radio is super awkward and, and really weird socially. So, um, you, you know, it's like, hey, what, is this okay? Like, uh, you know, even I, like, you know, I, uh, you know, come into cars sometimes. I'm like, ooh, okay, I better, I better make sure this guy is all right with, with me taking over his radio. So, you know, a lot of it is, is uh, you know, even not from a, like, technological perspective, but just from the idea of, you know, who owns playback in the car and who's, you know, is it okay uh, to just, you know, come into this environment and, you know, change what's going on? And that whole social contract is, like, this very uh, fundamental thing that we've had to, you know, slowly re work and to, you know, uh, kind of communicate with everyone and say, all right, this is no longer about taking over playback. This is about starting a conversation. It's about connecting two people. And the more that you can make it about exposing information and getting people excited and kind of creating those sparks of, oh, I'm interested in this because this person is listening to this thing here. And, oh, cool, I can learn more about it. Oh, I can, like, create a station based on this or, you know, save this to my own playlist. The more kind of that you can slowly build that excitement, the more you, the, that social contract sort of starts to sort of emerge on its own. Um, but that's... You know, it, it's it's like unnatural, and it's something that we have to sort of build this bridge across in order to make it work. So, so with I have my uh, Spotify connected to my Uber. So when I get in the car, can the driver is is there a chance for the driver to actually see what I've been the last say five songs I've listened to? Uh, not today, but I mean that's a lot of what we think about is yeah. just you know when when you get in like seeing that commonality and what is that Venn, Venn diagram between uh, your interests. Um, 
and you know what, one of the challenges too is like if that Venn diagram is too small, you know, then you just end up with like nothing but mediocre music that is okay with everyone being played, and yeah. you know that's that's too far in the other direction. Um, so. Casey, you were talking about how you try not to do feature overload, and something that I see, especially with the rise of driverless cars, which, which frees up people's hands, which frees up millions of hours of time per day in the aggregate to consume media in the car, is that there might be a media overload as well, because in addition to streaming services, there could be video coming in, you could watch a video on your ride if you're not driving. Um, so I'm just wondering what you think this dynamic of competition um, between media companies and content creators will be like, and... Um, yeah, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, the short answer is it's really too early to tell, and I know it sounds like a little bit of a cop-out, but it's, I mean, it really is such early days with autonomous vehicles that the entire space is still kind of figuring itself out and what technology makes sense to be enjoyed and uh, what doesn't. We know, for example, music's a huge part of the story. It's gonna continue to always be a big part of the story with, uh, with cars. Video probably will, but it's not really quite clear yet because of the fact, like, so much of this is, uh, kind of being built right now. I mean, uh, just to stress the importance of like safety regulation that has to go on um, with a car maker that's super different than you know designing something on a phone, uh, we have to constantly take into account things like driver distraction. And right now, there's a lot of ethical questions around autonomous driving uh, about you know who's at fault, um, who should the car save in a really, really scary situation. Like, uh, this is kind of a, a really in the weeds ethical question that comes up a lot, but uh, if you're in an autonomous vehicle and it's going to hit somebody, right? Uh, should it save you or the other person? And the other person might be a child or a grandmother, right? We don't, we don't know. And so somebody has to make that decision at some point. And we believe that's probably going to come from the government. Um, and so they have to kind of, kind of group around those ideas um, before really any of these other things can kind of be built on top of it, like video and additional content. It's not to say that it won't play a big part. It most definitely will. In terms of media overload, where you could have too much consumption, I think what you're going to see is you have these spaces, again, where people are going to bring in their devices and bring in their services, and um, we want to make that seamless. That's, again, like it's, you're going to be doing a lot of different transportation, not necessarily just one type of transportation. So that kind of um, really soft shift between I was riding my bike and then stepped into a car and then stepped into a train, and uh, can we be a part of that and make that seamless as possible? Uh, we definitely want to try and do that. And part of that will be making sure that you're not overloaded with media. Yeah, we'll definitely suggest the calming music for those dangerous situations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think there's the you know five years from now answer, which is like, hey, we're still trying to figure out when someone gets into the middle of the street and does this. Like, well, are they a police officer? Should you listen to them? Mm -hmm. or like, how, do, is, how do we know? Is there an RFID tag in your badge? Or you know, yeah. like there are these fundamental questions that everybody's going to be focused on for for a while. But I mean. Once the technology matures, I think you're going to see massive changes. Mm. I think you know once you no longer need to you know see with your eyes um, because you've got lidar on the top of the car that's doing all the seeing for you. Do cars need windows anymore? And if they don't need windows, then you know what do they have? It could be you're surrounded by screens and you have almost a virtual reality type of experience. And if you're you know heading to the Beyonce concert, then your experience in the ride over is that you're sitting backstage with Beyonce. Mm. Um, you know that could be what it feels like. No, absolutely. And then again, those are the things that. We're constantly thinking about, well, what if we did this and kind of took a direction in this way? Um, and what's kind of exciting about it, too, is, again, going back to there'll be different kinds of autonomous vehicles that you'll have to choose from. 
again, to go back to the Home Depot example, you might need an F-150 for that one specific use case, but then if you're going to Beyonce, you want to roll up in like a really nice Lincoln, right, with like, you know, really beautiful audio acoustics in it and kind of make it like a you're in a concert before the concert itself. So those could provide completely different experiences, right? On the one hand, maybe it's something like it knows you're on the way to Home Depot and it just will automatically kind of show you the building schematics and what pieces you need to have in the car, um, what can fit in the car and what things you need to buy from Home Depot to get back and build that shed. But if you're going to Beyonce, it's total immersion, right? Um, so it's, it's gonna be just a huge opportunity and huge platform to build on top of all of this stuff, and that's kind of where we come in is, you know, we have all this hardware, we have really all these different kinds of vehicles we can make, and we're gonna be able to target all these different markets in different ways, and people can build on top of that, whatever they so please. And that's definitely music is a huge part of that. Cool, um, so I guess as a follow-up question to that, so with this competition, do you think, oh, sorry, we have a question. I do have a question. Yes. Blockchain, blockchain uh, new wrapper around things for standards. It seems to me that the auto industry would, and Uber and Spotify would very much benefit by having some way as a standard, like within my family, I have multiple auto vendor cars. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't I want to move my metadata, my song list, my faves, my context between cars? And wouldn't this .bc format be the, not to say that Grace Note isn't the final end all, but uh, that would be uh, a way to facilitate the sharing of metadata. And what do you think about that? I mean, do you have you all of you? Please comment. Well, I, I, I think I think the the concept of you know multiple multiple cars. I, I'm probably in the future. You know, many people will will not own a car. They'll just summons a vehicle and it'll appear without a driver. Uh, and you'll jump into it. So we were talking earlier, it'll be your car for the next 25 minutes, next one hour. How can we make it as personal as possible? So we will need to look at the, the, the right technologies and platform that is really uh, living in the cloud to, to enable that. Because you do want it to be personal depending on the occupants. Uh, how that's done, I, I think there's a lot of different ways to do that. Metadata shouldn't be a factor. Yeah. Um, as Casey was pointing out before, as a, as a consumer moves through their day, their music should move with them. It should be completely seamless. So there should be no friction between your personal journey from your headphone experience to your car experience to your living room to your refrigerator, Internet of Things type experiences, whatever it might be. Um, and that same frictionless experience should be across any of the accounts in your family. I, I, I think, I don't want to speak for Casey, but what, what I'm understanding is you know, they, they just want to be a platform that people could build on. So if, if everybody plays nicely, it should just be completely agnostic. It shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be vehicle dependent. Um, you know, how blockchain factors into this, I mean, that, you know, I, I suppose that's another discussion in itself and whether there's a factor there. Um, you know, it sounds like it's probably for Grace Note to consider potentially. Um, but. I can follow up on the comment about a comment, I guess, that I would make. <laughs> the other big part is, again, the blockchain stuff, um, I'll be honest, that one's, again, kind of a different topic in its own, in its own sense, but um, we are also thinking about us as a service, Ford as a service as well. We have um, a new application that was launched this year called Ford Pass, and it's part of this whole ongoing effort we have called uh, Ford Smart Mobility, which is the idea that you can 
how does Ford change as a company and its relationship with its customers right over time in these different modes of transportation? So we made this application to kind of plug in. We've partnered with Spotify and we've partnered with um, a whole bunch of other individuals and groups to try and make something that kind of moves with you because ultimately we want Ford Pass to not just work in Ford vehicles, right? It's a service that is your relationship with us. And that can move across many different automobiles, different modes of transportation. Again, Cherry at the service I took from the Caltrain to here, Ford actually recently purchased them and they are a ride sharing bus service, right? So it's it's gonna be a combination of, again, personal ownership, completely no ownership, um, and everything in between that. And so when we're talking about music and context, again, we are trying to figure out ways of moving it, and it could be being the platform, but it could also just being us as the provider of that service, and then having that as the area where it moves around. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I think about is just, um, you know, to, to what degree do you actually want to expose some of your own um, personal music preferences and tastes to other people as a means of discovery? One of my favorite things about Spotify is just seeing, like, all of my friends and what they're currently listening to. Um, so, you know, what ways can you actually have, like, the local physical world that you're moving around in be, you know, that kind of a mechanism for discovery? I mean... Do, you know, when you get into an Uber ride, do you, do you want the playlist or the suggestions that you're seeing to be, you know, the, the top favorites from the city or the people who, you know, the top songs from the neighborhood you're going to? Or maybe it's just like the songs that were listened to by the last 10 people who are in that vehicle. I mean, it's totally random, but, you know, it's, it's an interesting avenue for discovery that you're not seeing otherwise. I'm just curious. So Chariot is a competitor to Uber? Not necessarily. I mean, it, uh, it's, it's operate functioning in a similar space. So right? what we do is with Chariot, and again, it's it's a relatively recent purchase, so I'm not speaking for Chariot <laughs> by any means, but um, as a service and what it provides is uh, it provides a shuttle bus service. So uh, they can, you, you want to say something? Or? Oh, no, so it's a, it's a shuttle bus service. So you can hail an, and assign a bus, and it'll kind of guide you to the area you want to go, but it's it's communal, right? Kind of like an Uber pool in some senses, right? Where it's a, it's kind of a group dynamic environment, not necessarily a one-to-one -one relationship with one driver and one person as a passenger. Um, but yeah, it's just another opportunity for just a different kind of way to move around besides having a car, right? And we've, uh, I think just they just said that they announced that they're uh, moving into Austin as well. They're in the Bay Area for sure but they've just now recently moved to Austin as well. Please come to our town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looks like we got some other questions, but I don't oh, know if sure. you want to take it or not. The great sweater, sir. Uh, I'm curious, uh, in terms of the actual curation of the audio content in any of these spaces, um, how are you navigating uh, the sort of automatic or algorithmic nature of that versus sort of a more human-driven, um, you know, selection process, mostly to get at what I think people's musical tastes crystallized at a certain point. You could create sort of a closed loop if you're drawing from a lot of your own preferences and things like that. I think back more so to that, like, rainy morning commute or those other modes where music is kind of coming at you from other sources driven by, say, an expert who has figured out what is most appropriate for this situation. And is that sort of human versus algorithmic dynamic of selection coming up much and how are people navigating it? I, I think there's, you know, the, the, it's not really black and white. I, I think the, the human curation is really an important part of music discovery. I, I think where it's challenged is uh, scalability. 
uh, where there's so many people in, in, in the world. So having the, the machine learning part of it, trying to understand uh, what you personally have been listening to over time and how those signals can actually feed into uh, the type of things like a, a professional a musicologist is creating and how those actually tie together, yeah, I think is where the true uh, personalization will come in. I mean, in many ways, it's, it's solved already. You can get into that granularity of, you know, it's a rainy commute, it's a sunny commute, it's an evening commute, it's a morning commute. Um, and, and the scalability is difficult because each of those things means different uh, music behind those in, in, in different regions, different countries, different parts of the world. Um, but frankly, like the personalization is already there, and if you choose to use, you know, Discover Weekly on your 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 commute, then you know your your problem solved. Um, so I think it's too soon to to tell, you know, what's the most important distinction because until you get into the you know the algorithmic uh, curation, factoring in weather, factoring in speed, or factoring in you know another of other uh, signals. That would give you, you know, an absolutely pinpointed playlist. Um, you know, we're not quite there yet, but that's that's when it gets kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, just going back to to FM radio, um, it's you know, it's so powerful because it's just automatic. It's on. I don't have to think. You know, there's there's no selection that I have to do. It's just playing some stuff for me. Um, so so I think it has to start there, and, and specifically for environments like Uberpool, where you have this you know collection of people in there. Like you have to have some sort of automation that says at, at least get to a good starting point of something that'll make everybody happy, um, or at least won't make someone extremely angry. Um, and you know from there, that's when you can bring in uh, you know the ability to to kind of customize and to to uh, have people select uh, new directions for it to go. But it's it's almost a something of a conversation starter that you need at least on the algorithmic side. Um, and something that Bob actually told me earlier, and if you want to elaborate on this, you can, but like one of the value propositions of radio is that it creates a sense of companionship with the host, and there's a real human being curating that. But then with ride sharing, you're with another human being. So even if it is algorithmic and automatic, you are sharing that experience with another person, which preserves that human aspect. Yeah, I mean, so if I'm just, you know, pulling up a playlist and hitting a button, you know, I, it feels very cold and impersonal, and it's just, you know, it's me and I'm alone and I'm doing that, whereas, you know, you're hearing the radio DJ on radio, and it makes you feel like there's someone else in the car with you. But, you know, with us, there literally is someone else in the car with you, so so what can you do with that? Where can you where can you go with that being um, the place that you seed your playlist from? You know, uh, last week, I actually, my Uber driver was... Uh, was my guide. He was recommending loads of new music for me and uh, helped me create a new playlist on my drive home. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, Al Glenn, KPOO San Francisco. Since the battle for the listener is in the car, away from home, in the workplace, and since broadcast radio right now commands 80% of in-car listenership, one of the issues for the listener are tune-outs, namely commercials. Oftentimes, locally, radio stations are playing up to seven, eight minutes of nonstop commercials. From each of the panelists, I'm just curious to know, for independent services, streamers, other content providers, what would be a competitive edge to compete given the tune-outs that exist typically with the major broadcasters when they are stuck to play in those eight to seven minute commercial clusters. Imagine if this guy was your driver, you'd have the, the DJ and the driver problem solved at once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
maybe I don't understand the question, but uh, in a premium service, there's there's no commercial interruption, so that's that's not a problem. I mean, from from Uber's perspective. Um, uh, we we see the value that we get out of providing uh, great entertainment to our riders and to our drivers as just something that's supercharging our underlying core business. If if you you know have a driveway moment, you know like NPR has this compilation they always do called driveway moments where you know like hey I'm driving home from work and I'm listening to this really engaging story and I end up with my engine on in my driveway for five minutes to hear how it ends right. So if we can you know have our drivers feel that same way about something that they're listening to, they may well take another trip right. So that that just makes our platform better, you know, and it, and it helps our business. So to us, you know, we, we don't see it as something that we need to monetize in itself necessarily. And I'd say in terms of kind of getting, this is just my personal opinion, getting specifically to kind of like ads and things in radio. And I mean, I'll be the first to say I'm actually, I really don't listen to the radio that often. Um, I mostly use a streaming service or like a CD occasionally. Um, and part of it is ads, because I think one of the things that we're seeing today, especially in the era of like Facebook and Google, the ads are far more relevant to my needs and what I'm doing. And I think understanding if we have a broader data set of you know what kind of people are listening to the radio when. HD radio was a good example of something kind of evolving from FM, right? And bringing on things like more accurate metadata or being able to tag a song and send it to an iTunes playlist. So I think you could still see some cool opportunities there as they shift to HD radio, because HD radio kind of gives you a little more opportunities to kind of figure things out and gives you the platform to kind of build more digital stuff on top of it. And to get into the content specifically, I think it goes back to the personalities, right? I, I'm attracted to the people that I think have recommended me good content, and that'll kind of carry through with me, just like I would a TV show. Like if it's a you know a panel of people that I really like, or if it's um, you know just a really something entertaining and engaging, then I'll keep coming back, right? But I think right now maybe it's a little too impersonal and it's um, a little too much. Maybe that's. Yeah, I, I think adding that, I think the personalization of ads or getting people relevant ads, you know, everyone's quite interested to learn about something they, they, they need or they want. Uh, so I, I think if the, te the technology does exist today uh, where we can actually deliver one-on-one -on -one ads ju just to you based on your personal preferences, history, even your musical tastes, um, obviously you need an IP platform to do that, but I say all, all the elements do exist today to do that. Obviously, it's not in existence, but uh, I think there's a way to, to make that experience better for the consumer. But seven minutes at a time does sound a bit much. <laughs> well, it's, it's not only seven minutes. It's, we talked about this. It's the seven minutes of, of ad interruptions, but also the, you know, the tight playlist, the 10-track playlist that repeats you know, every hour, hour and a half. That's a real source of frustration, which has really opened up the market for, for Sirius to build the subscriber base that they have. Um, so it's really demonstrated that there's, there's an interest in doing away with that and, and getting a broader, deeper listening experience or something that's you know, more at least uh, targeted to, to a user, if not specifically personalized in terms of the content. Hey, uh, I'm curious, this is specific to Casey, uh, but if any of you, the rest of you guys have Hooray. any... Uh, <laughs> Uh, have any information to share? I would love to, to know it. But I'm curious uh, about any, um, uh, you know, anything publicly that Ford has uh, articulated about, uh, you know, the shift uh, from FM to more digital uh, delivery in terms of, um, you know, what's ahead for the future. You know, I'm thinking specifically about, you know, how money is split between creators and, you know, and copyright reform. It could have some pretty dramatic effects on that. And, uh, mm -hmm. You know, curious to g gather whatever public data is out there to uh, 
you know, help in the conversation about comprehensive copyright reform. So, and if any of the rest of you have, um, you know, any uh, ideas about any reports that have been done, I'd love to, to know about it. Honestly, uh, I, I, I'm not, if there are conversations about that kind of stuff with the revenue split and things like that and some of the copyright, I'm really not a part of those. In terms of shifting from FM, I mean, I'm not worried about copyright yeah. reform. I know yeah. that, but it's the okay. it's the it's the shift in in the cars sure. about the delivery systems. So there's there's a couple things I think I could I could speak to. Um, one is again back to the ease of use, uh, making it really as simple as FM radio for some of these streaming services. Just you know, tune on, and then there you go. Um, we're working really hard for those things. In the case of, again, like Apple CarPlay and Dreto, you plug in and you're there, right? And you kind of have access. And we specifically shut down other features that might cause confusion to the driver so they can keep focusing on the road and uh, the services that they want to use can just be right there immediately to them. Same thing with Android Auto and with AppLink as well if a customer doesn't want to do anything with Apple or Google at all. Um, and then Additionally, some of the stuff that we've been talking about publicly in terms of like research projects that have kind of gone a little further is, uh, again, we own our hardware, and we have this really great platform, AppLink, that allows other people to kind of build on top of it. So we talked about publicly, um, just recently actually, um, what we kind of referred to as like the reverse AppLink. And what this allows you to do is control FM and climate controls um, from a smartphone app. And what that means is like if you're in an autonomous vehicle situation, and it's a little, it's, it's different than kind of what Uber's doing in terms of having you, you know, present a playlist ahead of time and then it kind of drops in for you when you get in the vehicle. This is allowing uh, somebody to sit back in the backseat as a passenger and control the radio stations, control the climate or the chairs and some of the other, you know, ambient uh, devices that are in the vehicle to kind of relax and kind of fit into the, to the system. Um, and again, an app developer can, they can just plug right into that. Um, so those are some of the things that we're thinking about across the gamut of services between streaming and FM and trying making them as immersive as possible. Because an app developer with a streaming service, um, they have the app, right, that can control uh, the, how the content's brought to you. But with FM and some of the other ones, it's the more analog ones, they're kind of tied to the hardware. So how can we bring those up as well, right? That's kind of uh, how we've been thinking about that. Hopefully that answers some of the question. Not a problem. Um, hello, my name is Sung. Uh, I missed the first part of the conversation, so I, you guys may have talked about this already, but I still wanted to share my personal experience this morning. That happened this morning. I took Uber here. Um, I got matched with two other people. That was like, you know, Uber pool. But usually I matched with one more person, but this, this time two. Uh, this driver was playing Coldplay music, and that made my day. There's a great music, and I, you know, I really enjoyed that music and it made my experience so much better this morning. I didn't, I wasn't sure if the two other, two other guys were also enjoying that. They were just looking <laughs> at their <laughs> So that's the situation, you know, more and more people taking Uber pool, you know, different type of people taking in the same car and driver cannot just tailor to one person's uh, taste. So just wanted to think about this, what, what's the ideal situation? I, you know, before I get into the Uber car, I want to pick my song like on the app before I get in, and then some other people would will choose their own genres and pull playlists, and there gonna be this conflict. So just just wanted to have this you know like you know the, uh, thoughts and 
see uh, what if every technology is there already or what kind of te technology is missing to make it happen. Uh, yeah, so this is my favorite interview question to ask uh, PMs that are interviewing at Uber. Because um, it, it's legitimately like a really complicated challenge and there is no right answer. Um, but you know, I think the, the, the wrong answer is to do like a jukebox approach where you know everybody is you know like in a queue or like having to order you know like well I got in first so like you know you're having this tug of war and this argument like I think that's definitely not the right way to do it. Um, I, I think um, you know machine learning and automation have a place. Uh, I think that the more the, the system is nice because the you know the more people that you know actually listen to music and Ubers, the more we can learn about you know what is the best thing to play for everyone. Um, but I, I think it's a combination of understanding what your personal interests are, um, in addition like where you're going um, and what the context is of that ride. Um, and you know, is it a morning where everybody's going to work? You know, there are things we can infer from that. Um, and then you know, at that point we have to figure out okay, like what's what's the best, most interesting things that we can play for everyone, and how do we not just make it this you know lowest common denominator mediocre music where you end up like never hearing anything interesting because there are other people in the car. So like, how far can we push people's boundaries? So you know, a lot of what we have to do is is to kind of build models and do a ton of experimentation and just learn. You know, run run tons of A/B tests and figure out okay, like you know which of these uh, you know hundred different variants of the algorithm you know work well in terms of providing enough of an edge, enough interesting content that people, you know, uh, discover and, you know, get into new genres that they didn't think they'd be into before, um, and which of them go too far and, like, turn people off and cause you to stop riding Uber so much because you're hearing stuff you don't like. Yeah, I think it's a lot more than just the, the genre because, uh, you know, the every song is different and it's hard to classify every song just by a pure, you know, broad-based genre. So actually a more detailed analytics of the song, sort of what we call the music information retrieval from the actual makeup of that particular tracker master itself. I think that can actually help people discover new songs and maybe the, something that's tagged with a genre they may think that they don't normally like. And I think uh, there's a lot of learning there for people. Yeah. Um, and also I think there's potential, I don't know if there's enough demand for this, but you could opt into a certain ride sharing experience if you wanted to. So um, for example, if you're going to a party and you, there are a lot of other Uber pool riders who are going to a party, you could all opt to ride in the same car and play the same type of music. Or like based on your preferences, so yeah. yeah. I hi, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I, I just have a couple questions. Okay. One Last for question. Stephen, one for Casey, regarding what the gentleman said about radio and 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 digital. The first one regarding competitive advantage of uh, Spotify and streaming services, uh, subscription-based formulas. Uh, where do you see the business model headed for Spotify? Now that you know, lots of what's happening on the platform is uh, uh, free, uh, and yet we do free because radio is basically free. But we have those seven minutes of commercial spot loads, which seem to be a hassle for the listener. And then that's where you see the competitive edge of Spotify when it comes to subscription-based usage. And to Casey regarding that FM to digital shift that the other gentleman was talking about. Where do you see Ford going? Are you guys adamant about um, shifting, actually moving from FM to digital? Is it, is it something, is it like a philosophy for the automotive industry that you say, okay, five or 10 years from now, FM is not gonna be on the dashboard. It's the digital services instead. Thank you. 
So I think uh, the short answer is it's it's all of it, right? I mean, it's, it comes down to consumer choice. I think that's maybe the biggest lesson that um, everybody's learning about right now is that um, we shouldn't be making these decisions at all. We're just an open space for someone to kind of make those decisions because it's their experience, right? And so you're going to have, I mean, we see it today. There are plenty of people who love FM. So it's really up to FM and those guys and the tools that we can provide them if possible to make that experience as good as something as a Spotify or even, you know, your local you know, developer makes a really cool music app, right? I mean, they want to kind of make them all the same because there's going to be an audience for each of those. And I mean, the way I personally think about cars is, um, you know, you have an apartment and it's in a complex, right? And all those apartments are, you know, blueprint-wise exactly the same. But it's not a home until you put your stuff in it, right? So what are you bringing in and how can we kind of build around that? That's kind of the big task for us and that that's really kind of maybe our from a design philosophy, our, our guiding light is, we're building experiences on the exterior that are really tied to somebody's specific use case, like in like an F-150 versus somebody in the city wanting like a little Fiesta. But again, on the interior, it's it's not your home until you make it something like that, right? And that means respecting those decisions and what you're bringing in. We should just be not only a shepherd for your data, but also kind of the, the ideal situation would be the the thing that's helping you move between these different transportations in your life to make that as easy as possible, right? So, hopefully that. Um, I guess I'll immediately caveat by saying I don't I don't work there anymore, so I can't I can't speak to it. <laughs> so, but what I'll say this: um, you will absolutely see the evolution of ad-supported services. So you're going to have kind of this confluence of scale meaning that there's there's more opportunity to bring in more ad dollars and and better subsidize the the free side of the services um you know you're definitely seeing that dollar shift uh in this country and pandora's done a great job of that you'll start to see that happen around the world because really you're talking about convergence with terrestrial radio so those ad dollars from terrestrial will shift over and there'll be a better job monetizing but the actual functionality and the you know the access to music i think you'll see an evolution so it's uh maybe a little bit less of a kind of, you know, all you can eat. Um, so I, I assume you're, you're asking and you're concerned about the monetization of an artist's work. Um, I think that will improve over time. Last, last quick question, quick wrap up. Many thanks. So Vincent Favrat from Musimap. I had a question for Bob uh, around uh, uh, Uber Pool and this uh, question of collaborative playlisting beyond this type of uh, analysis, would you be interested in a technology that uh, achieves uh, psycho-emotional profiling of each user? And when they come in the car, the, the algorithm, a humanized algorithm would basically uh, create a discovery platform that meets the taste of the different people in the car and play directly a playlist that is not a compromise between different tastes but, or a genre, musical genre, but something that is a discovery platform to go beyond these limitations. Is it something you are looking at? Emotions and playlists on, the collaborate, uh, on a collective basis on rides for, to create a, a real musical journey? It's very early days for us exploring that type of thing, but yes, absolutely, and let's talk afterwards. Cool. Any quick takeaways from any of the panelists? Ta -ta -ta. Go on. No, so you, you guys can go ahead if you have any last, any last words. 
I like cars and this is pretty cool to be able to talk <laughs> about music in the context of cars. And I think everybody had really insightful questions. So I thank everybody for um, a lot of your really cool insights. And uh, it was really cool to be able to talk with all of you guys. They're all coming from different spaces, but again, it's like the same journey at the end of the day. So I mean, from a streaming services point of view, like the notion of solving the automobile and, and creating that as a really powerful use case, uh, really opens up the possibility and the and the potential scale for subscription music. So it's hugely important to to get right. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time in uh, automotive and uh, entertainment. It's just getting more and more popular. So I'm so excited to be part of it. Uh, yeah, you know, I, th I think we say all the time that uh, none of us at Uber have any idea what the heck we're doing because nobody's invented the future of music or transportation before. But um, come help us, we're hiring. <laughs> yeah, and also I think. Just from my experience and what I've seen, this is one of the earliest instances where people from, like everyone representing all these different stakeholders are coming together to have this discussion. So this is really great and you guys should definitely talk to all of us if you're interested and definitely um, continue this conversation. Yeah. Let's have a big hand for the panel. Yay. Oh boy. What a morning. So we're thrilled. We're about to go to lunch. Lunch is on your own out in all these wonderful restaurants out here. If it's your first time, newbie lunch over in uh, CISO. There's also a women's lunch over there. Everyone else is on your own.